Morgan. And you're listening to another episode of The Accessible Stall. What are we going to talk about today, Emily? I feel like it's high time for us to talk about nasty people online and also just the general feeling of being a disabled person in the world and feeling like you're never getting through to people when you have to justify your existence over and over. That is so relatable. Deep breaths, everyone. We're going to talk about some frustrating comments. Literal comments, am I right? Yes. Awesome. So I've been, you know, a very online person for a while. So I am definitely used to assorted random human beings questioning my existence and questioning my perspectives on my existence. But lately, I have been more vocal on a couple of platforms that I wasn't particularly vocal on previously, um, both a Facebook page and my Instagram. And I've always been vocal on Twitter, but I've now been getting hit from three different places with people who take issue with the things that I say about disability and somehow turn it against me and just create all kinds of unnecessary drama and nonsense. And, you know, it's kind of tiring to have to tell people the same thing over and over again. Would you say that these people are trolls? Like, you know, people who are just saying contrarian stuff to get a rise out of you? Or do you think that these people have what they consider to be a legitimate grievance about what you have to say? I think it's that they consider themselves to have legitimate grievances. I actually don't think I get trolled very often. I think that I get a lot of non-disabled people who take wild amounts of offense to being asked to check their non-disabled privilege. What's next? You're going to ask them to check their white privilege too? Oh, no. I mean, I did have a literal Karen who decided that she was going to come for me. And I had posted something on Facebook about how the existence of disabled people is not tragic, but the real tragedy is that people think that our lives are tragic. And so this woman shared her experiences of how people treat her condescendingly. But the way that she said it was that people treat her like she has a brain injury. Okay. And a mom of a kid who has Down syndrome commented and was like, okay, how do you pe- uh, treat people with a brain injury? And she was trying to prove the point that like that's a really – uncool way of saying that someone's being patronizing to you because you shouldn't be pitting two disabilities against one another. So I stepped in to try to clarify what the mom of the kid with Down syndrome was saying. And literal Karen was so mad, even though her original comment was all about how she wished that people would be more sensitive and respectful in their language 
The second I was like, hey, maybe you should also be more sensitive and respectful in your language. Your experiences are valid, but let's think about how you talk about those experiences. She lost her mind. And like our one of our last interactions was shame on you. How dare you ask me to look inside myself? Introspection. So that wasn't really directed at me, but it was just one of those moments where I realized that probably no amount of advocacy is going to change some people's minds. Does that frustrate you? Because like for me, I and I've said this before, like I, I'm I advocate mostly because I have to. Because when you're when you're disabled, you, you don't really have a choice in the matter of whether or not you you <laughs> you do or don't. Um, but I'm not like in the sphere as much as you are, except for this podcast. So, like, it, it must get exhausting to do that. Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, as a professional disabled person, it's literally my career. I literally wrote a book to educate people about disability. And I feel oh, weird saying that. don't ever stop saying that. I feel weird saying that. Can we just sit in the weirdness for a sec? All right, I sat in it. I always sit. Anyway, point being, I spend 24-7 educating people about disability. And then when I go to bed at night, it's not like I take my wheelchair off my butt and I'm not disabled. You know, it never goes away. At least now, if you get like one of those people, you can just redirect them to Amazon and be like, if you want my full list of opinions about disability, please buy my book and make sure you use my referral code so that I can double dip. Is that a thing people can do? That's hilarious. Get on that, Emily. Yeah, get on that. Get, get an extra 20% over the cost of your book. <laughs> Well, I also was going to try to direct people as much as possible to support their local bookstore or buy from like IndieBound or Bookshop. So oh, look at you being responsible. I, you know, it's funny. I actually don't buy books off of Amazon. I buy literally everything except books on Amazon. That is a true fact about me. I think. Did you pre-order mine on Amazon, though? Yes, but that's because you sent me the link and I had to be. the Oh, first yeah. One. No, I'm not. This is not an accusatory thing. Like, guys, Kyle was my very first pre-order. I told no one else, just Kyle. And he's quoted in the book, too. Oh, my God, that's true. I forgot about that. I'm going to frame that. I'll print it out for you. I'll blow it up nice and big. Thank you. Um. Yeah, you know I love you. So, anyway, wow, we got super off topic. So what no, were but we the point is, about? The point is, it's like, even though this is your life, even though you should be the person that loves this kind of thing, that despite this being your professional career and despite you being a professional disabled person, this still gets on your last nerve. Yeah, I mean, it's tiring after a while and I really don't want people to think that I'm trying to alienate them here or that I'm trying to discourage them from engaging in dialogue but there are clearly people who just actually don't care what you have to say and just want to hear themselves talk and just want to be right yeah I feel like you'd find that in a lot of um social justice leaning circles where you know 
somebody starts off as, as like seeming to be in good faith or whatever, and then they'll say something like that. And it's not even that bad. It's just something that warrants you saying like, hey, like, think about why this might be the wrong way to say what you want to say. And then they just flip out. It, it's like, were your intentions ever good? Like, I don't understand. Like, because th that to me isn't like that would embarrass me. Like, I would not get angry. I mean, I might if it was like completely out of left field. But if I did something wrong in a, in a space that I was starting to feel comfortable in, I would sooner feel very embarrassed. I think you make such a good point and it reminds me of another comment because I feel like I honestly have a story for like every Let's hear situation him. at this point. So <laughs> there was, and you and I talked about this off the podcast, but um, somebody posted something about how the phrase nothing about us without us is actually exclusionary to non-disabled allies. And of course it is. <laughs> I commented like, hi, let me tell you why this is wrong. And I gave them like a very nuanced response. And they were also talking specifically about the fact that nothing about us without us is exclusionary to people who are nonverbal or people with cognitive disabilities. And I was like, that is directly counter to what nothing about us without us is supposed to be about. And I understand your frustration because there are definitely disabled people who are very holier than thou. And I've noticed a lot of physically disabled people who are like, oh, I'm not like them, you know, in reference to people with cognitive disabilities. And I hate that because that's really uncool. Like, stop perpetuating a hierarchy of disability and get off your high horse. So I agree that that exclusion happens, but I tried to point out that the way that this woman was framing it, because she was like the sibling of um, a non-speaking person, I believe, or someone at least who has a cognitive disability and she was claiming that he couldn't be involved in advocating for himself. And so she was very mad and I tried to respond like, I hear you and your, your thoughts are valid and you're right that physically disabled people exclude cognitively disabled people all the time. But also, let's not pick on a phrase like nothing about us without us. You can't get any more inclusive than that. <clears throat> and especially, and, and, and that's frustrating because that that's frustrating, right? Because caregivers, parents, siblings, whatever sort of relationship you have, to that person with a disability in your life, if you are not that person, those people are invaluable to a lot of disabled people, first of all. And secondly, they have a place. It's just not that one. You know, they don't live under the umbrella of nothing about us without us, even if they're the reason that this disabled person, this hypothetical disabled person can participate in that, in, in using that phrase. Like, there, it's disability adjacent, and that's totally valid. It, it is. And I, I think, too, like, you'll never hear me stick up for parents as much as I'm about to right now. But I think, too, like, the greater disability community as a whole, like, tends to be at odds with, like, parents and siblings and caregivers, and almost always it's for good reason. And it's because of stuff like that. But I do think, like, they have a place, and I don't really think it's that far away. And because of that, I also don't think it's that hard to not, you know, 
step in where you don't belong. Like it's really easy, you know. There are par- there are parts of like social justice where like the lines get blurry depending on certain intersections, but I really don't think that's one of them. And I I might just be saying that because I am disabled, so for me it's like kind of obvious. But yeah, th- like that person just I don't get it. Like that really confused me. And even talking about it to you with, with you now is still very confusing. Yeah, and I feel like maybe I didn't explain it well enough to the people who were listening, but suffice it to say that it was one of those posts on social media where I probably should have known better than to engage because I think that the person was so incredibly set in their viewpoint that whatever I was going to say just wasn't going to register. And so um, I probably need to learn to pick my battles, which I know is an episode that we did a while ago, but the logic rings true. And also I really like what you said about being disability adjacent because yeah, like if you are the mom of a disabled person and you're not disabled, then you're not a disabled person. You are the mom of a disabled person. So your experience is disability adjacent, but you yourself are not disabled. You don't have that lived experience. Like you do not embody disability. No, but at the same time, you know a lot about it by virtue of your, your son or daughter or whatever. Right. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you need to be like loud and wrong <laughs> over everyone yeah, else. Yeah. If, you if, if you're, if you're going to be loud, at least make sure you're right. And don't speak over actual disabled people either. Yeah. And I'm not here to try to perpetuate the whole, you know, parents and caregivers and siblings against disabled people thing, because I don't like that. And I absolutely think that there's a place for everyone in the movement. So I think it's also really important for me to point out that I've gotten pushback from other disabled people. Like I posted um, the story again, I was mentioning the whole thing about, um, you know, like I'm not a tragedy. The tragedy is that people think my life is a tragedy. And the story behind that is that I was getting my hair cut and a woman who was at the next sink over was like, why are you in a wheelchair? And I was like, oh, I have Larson syndrome. Um, it's a genetic joint and muscle disorder. You actually, then, you, said, you, you said that? You didn't say born this way? Oh, good for you. You actually tried. Yeah, I did. I was a little caught off guard, but I actually tried. But then my hairdresser was like, oh, yeah, and her mom has it too. And then she was like, oh, and Emily's been on Sesame Street and she travels all over the place. And like, I don't know how she does it because if I was her, I would just lay in bed and cry all day. And I was just like, well-intentioned, but still made me feel like you think that disability is a tragedy. Like, And also like, holy good. privacy, right? Like, yeah. Who, like, who, and also, who who is your hairdresser to tell that person that your mom is also, uh, also as long as and, and, I mean, I'm sure, like, I know, like, that part isn't really a big deal, but just because you and I are, like, hyper aware of, like, the lack of privacy among disabled people, I, I get that. I'm not saying, like, that part isn't the problem, but, like, that, that just set off alarm bells in my head because, you know, we're aware of that type of thing. For sure. The whole interaction just felt really awkward to me, and I was frustrated because even if it was well-meaning, like, it was supposed to be a compliment, like, oh, she does so much despite her disability, but... 
it just made me feel like she thinks that disability is such a tragedy and I've overcome a tragedy. And so I tweeted about it and posted on Facebook and posted on Instagram because I was trying to make a point about it. And someone else who's also disabled was like, you're reading too much into this. Like you just want to pick a fight or have a platform or whatever. And I was like, no, you're being really reductive. Thanks so much. And then she was like, oh, you think using big words makes you sound smarter? Like, you know, you're just uh, okay. being an inauthentic person on a high horse and you just want fame. And I see you clearly now. I'm going to unfollow you. And I was like, bye. But so I just wanted to bring this up because like it's not just non-disabled people. It's also disabled people. And when they don't agree with you, they go hard. And it's exhausting. It goes right back to being exhausting because you're just going around in circles arguing. I mean, I don't want to make this the Defend Emily Hour, but I'm going to. It's like looking too much into disability Let is me just interrupt you to say that you, you don't need to, like, defend me. It's not even that. But, like. No. I know. I know that. But it's like that is what you do. She was. This woman on Twitter was like, you're literally reading too much into her words. You're a writer. You should know better. And I was like, and sometimes being a writer means looking beyond the words to think about the impact. It's not just about the intent. It's about the impact. Writing 101. Anyway, my gosh. like, I think this has just become me venting about things on social media, but there is a broader point here. So <laughs> bring me back to it. Well, the broader point is that this happens all the time. Like all the time. You can't go in a room. I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but like it's hard for you to be able to just roll into a room and do something so mundane, anything, without somebody somewhere making a deal about it. And sometimes it's fine. Sometimes it's innocuous enough. But other times it's like, man, I just want to buy my sandwich and go home. Like, I don't need to explain my life. Exactly. Exactly. I just want my sandwich. And the best part is, and, and the, you know, this... I haven't experienced this in a hundred years due to the state of the world. But, you know, sometimes when we used to go out together or like if I'm with someone who is way more obviously disabled than me, people will ask me about you. Yep. <laughs> like. Love it. Oh, you're. Oh, well, now that she's gone, you can tell me all about it. It's like, no. Somebody who my college roommate went on a date with, um, he asked her if she feeds me. Did she play along? That relationship didn't go anywhere. Oh, okay. No. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure at some point in our four years of living together, she fed me, but only to be funny. I I can see her messing with a guy like that, though. If you do need feeding, like, first of all, there's nothing wrong with that. And second of all, that's really not anyone's business if you need that particular type of caregiving. You just unlocked a really, like, deep memory. So in high school, we were on, like, a senior trip to the city because we went to special ed. So that was, like, to the city. Um, And we went to this uh, place where they served frozen yogurt or ice cream or something. And one of my friends uh, couldn't feed himself. So he asked me to help him. Um, But not before the person at the counter asked me if I'd ever, like, seen my friend before. And because we walked into the store together, I was like, no, I've never seen him in my life. You know, I, I was being funny, right? 
But then, then the next thing that this worker saw was me feeding him. Like, imagine being told, like, you don't know this person, and then they, like, ask you to help them, and then you do it. So, like, either she thought I was kidding, because I was a little teenage, you know, person, or she was like, oh, what a kind-hearted man, he helping this disabled stranger. And I, to this day, I don't know which it is, but, like, I don't know. Something about what you just said just really just made me relive that. <laughs> These stories happen all the time, though. Like, they go viral. Like, a person at a fast food restaurant mm-hmm. helps someone with a disability, like, cut their meal and feeds them. And it's, like, the most heartwarming viral story you've ever seen. Which, <laughs> I know we're going it's off like, on a tangent here, but, like, mm, that annoys me so much. No, but, I mean, like, it, it's annoying because, yes, it's nice, but... It's it's only nice because no one else is going to do it, right? And then also it's like the the filming of it too. And it's oh, like yeah. you're not help you're you're doing a good deed, but remember like everyone has to eat. Like it's not like you know, it's in the it's an essential function. It's not like it's I don't know. It's just it's so bizarre that that and it, that happens all the time. Okay, actually, this does lead me to a way to get back to our point, which is, like, I have tried to argue with people so many times about how incredibly rude it is to film a video of a fast food worker feeding Mm -hmm. someone Qdoba. Like, I specifically remember, I wrote an article about this. There was um, a guy at Qdoba, and one of the workers there fed him, and it went viral. And I tried commenting on it about how it's actually no longer a random act of kindness when you've suddenly turned into the spectacle for everyone to see and filmed it. And people came after me like, oh, you're the bitter cripple. How dare you say that? And I think (laughs) being a disabled person online basically means that you're going to like argue with people who are just going to double down because they do not want to be like told that they need to pop their ableism bubble. And that's even if they know what it is. It's so bizarre. It really is because a lot of these times, like, and this is strictly a thought exercise, but if you just replace disabled with insert minority group here, a lot of the time, in fact, I might even go as far to say all of the time, your story, your good deed, your whatever, it sounds completely ridiculous. And I don't think anyone would disagree that it would sound ridiculous. And yet, when it's us... It's not ridiculous. It's kind. It's not ridiculous. It's cute. Yep. And not to mention that people who are otherwise progressive or believe that they hold progressive values somehow manage to still treat disabled people like these mm-hmm. otherworldly outcasts. It's really amazing, actually. I've had it sort of happen where I, I'm sure you've had this too. You know, your well to do progressive friends like overcorrect. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, if there's anything you need to let me, you know, I will literally bend over backwards and crawl to the ends of the earth. Like, chill out. I just need you to listen to what I'm saying. For sure. I was going to ask you, like, because your disability is definitely less visible or obvious than mine, do you feel like you've had, you know, similar encounters in public where you just like had to explain yourself to people or have you like not really no i've had to explain other disabled people i'm with 
fascinating. What's like, that like? Well, okay. So it, it, sometimes I remark that people here in Seattle are very nice. And Courtney will tell me very pointedly that no one's nice. They just think I'm nice because I'm helping her. And they're acting nice to me because they think I'm doing something nice. Well, isn't Seattle nice also a thing? And like the Seattle freeze? Uh, sure. May, yeah. Yeah. That's definitely a thing. But like the amount of like people who are maybe it is maybe it's just because I'm a jaded New Yorker and I'm just not used to like people saying hi and nodding when they when I make eye contact with them. <laughs> but, you know, the the amount of times that like I haven't been asked about her yet, but I'm sure like I guarantee you like it'll happen sometimes. Well, some I mean, point. you moved in the middle of a pandemic, like give it some time. Yeah. Yeah, when there's more people, places it'll happen. <laughs> yeah, but, for sure. But, you know, I've been out with more disabled, obviously disabled friends, and it's happened sparingly in my life where it's like, what happened to him? What happened to her? You know? It's like, I don't know. Why don't you ask them? Why are you whispering? They're right there. They're not deaf. You heard us talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. And if they were deaf, like, that would still not be your business. Yeah, but it's like, uh, what do you think that I'm going to say that they won't say? I feel like we got on to a totally different topic than we started, but um, what even was our original point? Just like that it's exhausting to have to constantly explain your existence, but like coming out oh, of that so then are, are that's all these exactly examples. our point. Yeah. It's like, I'm just, I'm just doing it from like a third person perspective. It's like, just because I'm with someone who looks more disabled, I must be the helper. It's like, I got news for you, buddy. Like, what about online? Have you ever gotten into it with someone online? I'm sure you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't give you an example, but 100%. I remember this, This yes, but not, this isn't relevant to this conversation, but yes, I, I have. I mean, you can tell me if you want to. <laughs> well, it was just, it was when, um, it was when, can we say the, the org, it's not an org, but like Rooted and Rights when they first released Bottom Dollars, um, I got into yeah. it with this guy. I, I look, this is before I knew Court. I knew you were there, right? But like, I got into it with this guy who was like, "What do we need to pay them for?" You know, and it turned out that this dude just flat out didn't believe in a minimum wage for anybody, and it was just like, "Oh, okay." Well, at first I thought you were ableist, but it turns out you're just a jerk. <laughs> like you're. I you, remember this. You, yeah. Um, which I suppose is better than being an ableist jerk because you're mean to everybody. You're not. You're not just mean to like one. <laughs> you're an specific equal opportunity but, jerk. But I mean, you know, it, it's it's not. It's typically not worth it to me because I can tell you with complete honesty, when I'm arguing online, I am not doing it to change someone's mind. I'm doing it because they're annoying, and I want to tell them how annoying they are. I am not in it to change someone's mind. Oh, actually. I take that back. That is true most of the time. One time, um, a woman posted a photo of her child crying in pain. <gasps> I know on exactly the example you're going to talk about. Yeah, yeah. And I and I hated it. I hated it, but I completely understood why someone might do it, and so I approached it just like that. And this this kid happened to have my disability, so it was a little bit personal. Um. Even though Very she had, she, you she had it. You wouldn't want yourself displayed oh. like that. No, I wouldn't. But she did have some more severe CP, and not that that matters. But like, 
I have noticed that the more severe your 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 disability tends to present itself, the less people regard you as a human and therefore disregard your privacy. Come at me with that. Yep. Anyway, um, so I, I I said like very pointedly like, hey, I'm your daughter, twenty five or however many years it was into the future, you know, and I want you to know that this is not good, and I get why you did it, and I get that that this disability can suck. I can tell you that it does firsthand. And I'm actually really happy that you're getting that part of the message out. I just hate the way you did it. You know, and I, I was I was nice about it. I wrote this really long thing and I really should have been mean because of <laughs> the response I got was like, it was something to the effect of like, F you, that's just your opinion. And it's like, yeah, I know it's just my opinion. That's why I said it. I'm telling you this because I want you to remove yourself and think about your daughter. And she was like, that's great. Bye. And it's like, okay, well, you're just garbage. Like, I don't. <laughs> this mom know. did that to everybody, though. I remember. No, I, I know. I, I don't think she was like shitting on me. No, but I'm I, just saying she like. She was on a lot of disabled people because I remember she posted this photo of her daughter in this ridiculously vulnerable moment. And like, nobody would ever want that on the internet if yeah. it was them. And I remember how many disabled people were like, this is not cool. And she was like, I don't care. And it goes right back to being exhausting because it's like talking to a brick wall. The thing is, and I think this, I mean, we've talked about privacy before, but I, I really do think the exhausting part is just a complete disregard for our own humanity. Yeah. You know, it, it's one thing to explain like, why am I, why do I walk funnier? Why are you in that wheelchair? Right. You know, why, why, why do my feet turn outward? Why? Well, you know. I don't know, like a physical characteristic about your disability, whatever. Mm -hmm. But like, if someone wants to learn, fine. You give them a one-line example, and that's okay. Most people are sufficient with that or, or good with that. But like, they don't really want to know why. They just want to look at you and, or, and and like study you with their eyes and judge you. And they're like filling that awkwardness with questions they don't care about the answer to. And they don't value you as a person. They don't even look at you like a person. They look at you like a weird thing. That is different than the typical things they see every day. And, yeah, and that is what's exhausting. Perpetuate that. Like, it's just a constant cycle. And you know what the effed up thing is, too? It, these people, like, literally don't know what ableism is. But they do because they're the same people who say, well, if I were you, I wouldn't want to live like that. And it's like, oh, what? well, why not? Like, Right, like, that's me. interesting. Tell me more. Yeah, pl yeah, Please tell me why not. Yeah. Because, I mean... Hey, if it's so terrible, like, clearly, you know why, right? If I were you, I'd lay in bed and cry all day. Like, literally what the hairdresser said to me. Oh, why is that? Let's unpack that. Yeah, because you know what you'd find if you did? It does suck, but not for the reasons you think. Yeah, it sucks mostly because society makes it suck. That's not to say that disability doesn't suck. Like, you and I are not oh, no, unrealistic it, about that. No way. Disability blows a lot of the time. I'm, I'm more than happy to admit that. In fact, I think more few, I, I think the greater disability community tends to do itself a disservice by not talking about that too much. But I also know why they don't. It's because of people like that that take it out of context and use it as ammunition for the see it sucks. So, yep. Also, I just want to go back to you said something about how you don't say things to change people's minds. But like, I think I, I do that a lot. I really want to change people's minds. Um, and there's this 
Ruth Bader Ginsburg quote. I just looked it up so I get it right. It's fight for the things that you care about, but do it in a way that will lead others to join you. And that informs a lot of what I do. Like, I don't want to alienate people. I actually want to get people to care about disability. But it is really, really hard to constantly come up against people, especially non-disabled people, who just don't want to hear what you have to say. It's it's exhausting. I know we keep using that word. It is exhausting. It, it's, it's terribly exhausting. I should point out, I just want to say, like, I was specifically talking about arguing on social media. I do what you're describing on this podcast. That is how I do this. But if I'm arguing with some on social media, I'm not doing it to change their mind. I'm doing it because I think they're wrong and I want them to know it. Anyway. It's, I just wish that people would recognize when they're wrong. I mean, I have definitely had my behind handed to me and been told that I'm very wrong and I don't like it, but I learned something from it. I have never, ever been in that situation and come out worse for it. You know, it, it really does. It sucks in the moment. But then if you really look at your, I mean, the people that are saying that to you are probably right. You know, if, if you've done wrong. But that's not what these people are doing. You know, they're not saying, Emily, I think you could do better if you said X instead of Y and here's Y. They're just saying, I don't like that you told me I, I might be wrong about something. Screw you. It's not productive and it's not right. Yeah. Nope, not at all. It's, it's very defensive. Like, people get defensive and then they stop actually listening to what you're saying. And I've probably mm-hmm. done that before. No, not probably. I've definitely done that before. Mm-hmm. Of course they have. You say, mm-hmm, because I've probably done it to you before. Like, come on. Oh, no, and, I, and I, I've 100% done it to you and 100 other people. That That's human instinct. But, you know, I just think it might be different. Like, if somebody tells me something that I did that was racist or homophobic or ist, I'm not going to be like, no, it wasn't. (laughs) It's just weird. It's just weird. Like the most I would do in that situation is maybe provide some context that they might not know. And that could potentially make it a little better. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I just don't, I don't have that. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not, not even close. I'm just saying like the urge to defend myself at every single turn is as exhausting to me, I think, as literally defending my existence at every turn like i just don't understand like you must be on the offense all the time if you're one of those people yeah and i speaking of being on the offense all the time like i feel like i'm on the defense all the time not in terms of like being defensive for being called out but i feel like i'm on the defensive because people are like constantly subjecting me to judgments just because (laughs) i exist in the world and so yeah i'm on the defensive all the time yeah, I, I, well, you know, the world isn't doing you any favors. You know, it's it's not really your fault. I mean, but I also, I genuinely, like, don't want to convey to people that I am angry at them. I want to try to get through to them. But then in trying to constantly get through to people, always picking my words so carefully, always trying to meet people where they're at, that is always my priority, but sometimes they get real tired. I think this episode is just about we're tired. <laughs> no, but I mean, think about the state of the world and think about like, you know, simultaneously you have a set of circumstances 
that makes it really easy to be disabled in a very specific aspect. Like, for example, working from home is finally acceptable. But it also makes it really hard in every other aspect. And, you know, it, it's ridiculous because, like, in a sense, you have th- th- this able-bodied population who is getting a, a, a very, 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 very small taste of what life with a disability could potentially be if you're someone that, like, can't leave their home without help or, or something like that. I mean, it's not due to it, they, they can. It's just, you know, because of the virus. And it's like, imagine, imagine having, like, if your life didn't really change because of COVID, because you have a disability that prevents you from leaving the house, this to you feels normal. And what people are describing as, like, cabin fever or like losing their mind because they're they're at home so much. You know, it's like, oh, are you? Gee, that sucks. You know, there there are disabled people that like go through this every day, and it's like when we bring it up, it's I, I don't know. I, I'm not even making a cogent point. No, you are because <laughs> once again, it comes back to the fact that it's like told ya, like we're tired of telling you. We've been saying this though. And exactly. it's like, that's the point. You're only getting it now because it affects you. And it's like, you know, shut up. <laughs> I've been saying this before this it was episode? cool. No, well, I'm bitter about that. I'm genuinely bitter about that part. But I don't, I'm not trying to come off as like a bitter person. I'm just tired, just like you. You know what? Disabled people need a collective nap here, is what we all need. I would like to give every disabled person permission to be like, actually, I am exhausted. I'm taking a break. I work at a disability work, too. And every once in a while, like this situation doesn't happen because I work in a very inclusive and accepting workplace. But occasionally, like I will have to come face to face with my disability in some other weird way. It's like, oh, um, COVID-19 deaths among people who have developmental disabilities is, you know, some giant percentage higher than everybody else. And it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you. That's a nice statistic to learn before noon. My, the rest of my day is going to be great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I've had a couple of friends literally text me about that. Like, did mm-hmm. you know we have a higher chance of dying because we're developmentally disabled? This was like back earlier on in the pandemic. And it was just like, <laughs> I'm tired. That's my response. I am tired. But anyway, I guess if I had to, you know, if I had to form like a coherent final takeaway, it would be like, Emily and I (laughs) are exhausted. And it's not because of anything that any one person did. It's because it's kind of like if you're a retail worker, how many times have you heard the joke? Oh, there's no sticker on it. It must be free. And the customer thinks that they're the first person to ever make that joke and they can't imagine why you're not laughing at it. But in reality, it's because every single person that they saw that day made that joke and so did every single person yesterday. And the day before. If you ask us a question or something like that and we come off as that retail worker, it's not because we're angry. It's because you're the last person to ask us that thing in a long, long string of people, and we're just tired of it. Exactly. That's exactly it. Like, I feel like I'm on the metaphorical hamster wheel all the time. Or, like, playing a game of whack-a-mole. You know, like, bang down one mole, and then, like, another one pops up and does the exact same thing on repeat. Like, 
it would be like if somebody like narrated your life, but only in backhanded compliments. Like literally, like, yep. oh, isn't it so nice that you're out? How interesting that you left the house today. Yeah, that I couldn't like, do that if I were you. Yup, that was the comment that I got at the hairdressers the other day. But like, it's like that, but at random, but it's guaranteed to happen to you every day at least once. And so you're constantly on your guard. And then if you say something about it, then you're the bitter one. Yup, yeah. Okay, actually, I was going to give a final takeaway for what I want people to remember to not do but instead my final takeaway is that it is okay for disabled people to be tired of this and it is okay if you're not always on your game with the right answer or the right thing to say or you don't always have a smile pasted on your face it's okay to be exhausted I think someone should play a drinking game for like how many times we said the word exhausted in this episode but, uh, we will not be held re- held responsible for any deaths due to alcohol poisoning. No, please do it with water. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> I'm exhausted. You're exhausted. We're exhausted. It's okay. You're not alone. This has been another episode of The Accessible Soul. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, consider supporting the show at patreon.com slash the accessible stall. Just $1 a month ensures that all current and future episodes of the accessible stall remain. What is it, Emily? Accessible. That's right. As in we get them captioned because we believe in access. We do. Practice what we preach after all here in the accessible stall. Won't you come join us? Don't actually. Social distancing, please. Get out of my bathroom stall. Emily and I, I are just you, hanging out in here no. because we've been in here since 2016. Yeah. Like, when we, when we entered this bathroom stall, Obama was president. Just so you know. We've been in here Ooh. ever since. That's a weird thought. I'm going to sit with that for a while. How did we not acknowledge five years? We've been doing this for five years. Why did it take us 42 minutes to say that? Because above all else, Emily, you and I... Stay on brand. And that is the accessible stall way. <laughs> we bury the lead until the very end. It's fine. Um, okay. Thank you so much for listening. And might we say you look fabulous and you look even better with your mask on. Don't stop wearing it. I know the CDC says it's okay to not wear it outdoors, but you know, if you're vaccinated, that is. But you don't want people thinking you're an anti-masker, do you? I think about that a lot. Like, I know I'm not too. wearing it. <laughs> it's like, what are they going to think of me? I mean, I have at this point taken it off when I am outside away from other people and like with someone also vaccinated, but... Otherwise, wear your gosh darn mask. And also, you got to put it on anyway when you walk in anywhere. So, you know. So just wear it. But anyway, you look fabulous. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.